Hello and welcome. You are listening to Patrick Boyle on Finance, a podcast exploring ideas from quantitative finance, examining events occurring in markets right now and financial history to see what lessons can be taken away, including interviews with some of the most interesting people in the world of finance. To learn more about the podcast, visit onfinance.org. Lordstown Motors is an EV or electric vehicle company that went public last October through a SPAC. They claim to have designed an electric pickup truck, which they call the Endurance. Their website says that the Endurance helps you get out of any sticky, muddy or slippery situation, which might be helpful for some of the senior executives at Lordstown, as they seem to have found themselves in exactly such a situation. Unfortunately, the Endurance is just a drawing of a truck and not a real truck, so they'll probably need to use good old-fashioned lawyers to get themselves out of any sticky situations they find themselves in. One of the biggest differences between going public by IPO and going public via a SPAC is that companies that went public through a SPAC merger felt that they could pitch their financial projections or forward-looking statements to investors, while a company that went public through an IPO was and is not allowed to do this. The reason for this is that a SPAC initially goes public as a shell company and then merges with the company that they'll take public. Because this deal is technically a merger rather than an IPO, SPACs relied on safe harbour laws to make forward-looking statements. They included projections in their public filings. The idea was that if the projections turned out not to be true and the stock fell, end investors would have a hard time suing for securities fraud because of safe harbour rules relating to forward-looking projections from public companies. Going public via SPAC allowed companies to market themselves to investors based on projected future revenue and income, which may or may not happen. While with an IPO or a direct listing, companies could only tell investors about their past financial results. If you were an EV company and good at drawing vehicles but hadn't necessarily built any, it was much more pleasant to tell investors about how much money you planned to make in the near future, which is of course lots, than it was to tell them how much money you actually made in the past, which is often a negative number because you had to pay someone to draw the car. And so certain types of companies over the last year or two went public via SPAC. John Codas, the acting director of the SEC's Division of Corporate Finance, gave a speech back in April suggesting that the SEC might view SPAC mergers as being IPOs rather than mergers. He based this on the fact that initial public offering is not a term that's defined in securities regulation, and thus it's open to interpretation by the SEC. Around the same time, the SEC announced that companies should be classifying the warrants on their balance sheets as a liability rather than as equity. For these reasons, the boom in new SPAC issuance appears to have ended. So what's been going on at Lordstown Motors since they went public in October? Well, a week ago, the CEO and CFO stepped down after announcing that the company is close to running out of cash and may no longer function as a going concern in the next year. The Wall Street Journal then reported yesterday 
that five top executives dumped more than $8 million in stock over three days in early February. These trades all occurred when the stock was trading at more than $24 a share. Shortly afterwards, Lordstown announced a net loss of $0.23 cents a share for the quarter, which was more than double analysts' loss expectations. The stock fell almost 14% the next day, closing at $13. It's trading at around $10 at the time of this recording. The executives sold their shares as news was beginning to spread that a prototype of the Endurance caught fire 10 minutes into a road test in mid-January. It's worth noting, though, that a fire is neither a sticky, muddy or slippery situation, so I suppose their marketing is all right. So how did Lordstown deal with this stock sale and how do companies usually deal with executives selling their shares? Well, a week ago, Lordstown released a statement saying that they formed a special internal committee who looked into the executive stock sales and concluded that they were made for reasons unrelated to the performance of the company. Apparently, the president of Lordstown sold his shares in order to fund a turkey hunting farm in Tennessee. Now, I'm sure that to many of you, this makes perfect sense. The man likes hunting turkeys. But the problem is that no matter how much you feel a need to upgrade your turkey hunting arsenal, if you're the president of a public company and you know bad news about the company that the market does not know, then you're not supposed to trade. If you're a senior executive at a public company, you've learned some bad news about the business and you sell your stock before that news is announced, this is considered insider trading. No matter how noble your turkey hunting plans were, you can end up being sent to prison and the turkeys get off scot-free. Until Thanksgiving, at least. Senior executives at public companies pretty much always know more information about the companies they run than the general investing public does. It's just the nature of their jobs. In addition, they usually receive a lot of their compensation in stock or stock options. This is done to align the interests of management with the shareholders. But for a variety of reasons, they might want or need to sell some stock from time to time. There are two basic ways of dealing with the problem of executives selling their shares when they might have insider information. One is the 10B51 plan, which appeared in market reform legislation back in 2002. It was introduced in the wake of a series of stock market scandals that came to light after the dot-com crash. To qualify for protection under 10B51, covered insiders could no longer sell their company's shares whenever they wanted. They instead enter into a non-binding contract or plan that instructs a third party to execute trades on their behalf according to this written plan. It can be based on stock price, timing, number of shares over time, and so on. The stock sales under these plans would then be disclosed to the SEC and the general public. At the time, this seemed like a good way to ensure market transparency while allowing insiders to sell some of their shares. The other way to deal with the problem is to require corporate insiders to do all of their trading right after earnings have been announced. The idea being that the company has just released all of the important information they have on hand to the public. 
they can give the market a few days to digest the information and then trade during the window of time when the gap between an insider's knowledge of the company and the public's knowledge is narrowest. Most public companies will have these open windows when executives can sell their stock and then blackout periods as the next earnings announcement approaches when executives are not supposed to sell their stock. There's not a specific law that covers these rules. They're simply based on common sense ideas of good corporate governance and they're put in place by corporate lawyers to allow executives to sell stock without either the appearance of wrongdoing or actual wrongdoing. If an executive does sell stock during a blackout period, they've broken a corporate rule, not a law, and their company might fire them or discipline them somehow. According to the Wall Street Journal, John Vaux, who oversees Lordstown Motors' propulsion division, sold almost all of his vested equity, 99.3% of it, on the 2nd of February, leaving him with 717 shares, which is worth about $10,000, and proceeds of more than $2.5 million. This obviously doesn't look good. The new SEC chief, Gary Gensler, has called for reform of the rules around trading by corporate executives. Right now, it would appear that executives are generally selling their shares before bad news is disclosed. Daniel Taylor, a Wharton professor, has analysed data from 10b51 filings. He finds that sales executed in the first 30 days of a new plan are associated with the stocks underperforming others in their industry by 2.5% over the following six months. Sales made 30 to 60 days after a new plan adoption foreshadow a 1.5% underperformance. The insider advantage disappears if sales are made under plans that are at least 60 days old. The policy lesson in this case would appear to be quite clear. Insiders should be required to wait at least two months after filing their plans publicly before their stock sales can be executed. In addition, the plan should be filed electronically and made available to the public so that investors can weigh the information when deciding whether to invest in the company or not. It would appear to me that executives at Lordstown might be in a sticky, muddy or slippery situation and they don't have a suitable truck to get out of it. I'll see you next week. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is posted. Thank you to everyone who is supporting this content on Patreon. If you enjoyed this content, you can find more like it on YouTube, on the Patrick Boyle on Finance channel, or follow us on Twitter at Patrick E. Boyle. Thanks for listening. Bye.